Welcome to More to Come, Publishers Weekly's bi-weekly podcast on graphic novel and comics publishing. I'm Calvin Reed, Senior News Editor at Publishers Weekly and Co-Editor of PW Comics World. And I am Heidi McDonald. I am the uh, also the co-editor of PW Comics World, as well as the graphic novels review editor for Publishers Weekly and the editor of Comics Beat, www.comicsbeat.com. Hi, and I'm Kate Fitzsimmons. I'm the podcast producer, and I write for PW Comics World and Comics Beat. All right, we've got a lot of stuff uh, for the audience today. Um, this uh, Today on PW Comics World Podcast, we're going to be talking about New York Comic Con just ended. Uh, we're going to be talking about the, um, the uh, Barnes & Noble, uh, DC, Amazon Kindle, Fire, um, uh, graphic Fire, novel, right? <laughs> uh, tablet, you know, conflict, uh, digital manga at New York Comic Con, um, uh, the relaunch of Extreme Comics, uh, more news from New York Comic Con, authors uh, that have got graphic novel deals and, and other stuff from the uh, convention. Uh, we're going to have news briefs uh, by Kate, and then we'll talk about about books um, that we like at the very end. But New York Comic Con um, ended a little while ago, but much to talk about, um, 105,000 fans um, broke the record from last year. But first, um, big shakeups at the House of Ideal, layoffs at Marvel Comics. Yes, this is a shocker uh, to kind of stun the comics world. Of course, last year, DC laid off as much as 100 people from their uh, office, although NDAs meant that we never knew how many there were. But this time at Marvel, it's believed to be about 11 people were laid off, including three editors, Alejandro Arbona, um, uh, Jody LaHoop and uh, Rachel Pinellas, and also some people in production, including the beloved figure known as Pond Scum. Um, mm-hmm. His real name is Scott right. Elmer, but everybody in the comics industry knew him as Pond Scum, and uh, <laughs> a couple more people in trade production as well. And um, the rumor is there's more to come, <laughs> more layoffs. Well, oh, God. Well, it, it, yeah. it seems sort of, I mean, from the outside looking in, it seems kind of counterintuitive. I mean, the, the, the feeling generally is that, you know, Marvel is uh, printing its own money with these movies. Uh, well, I, I don't think the movie money goes into the publishing, bottom line. <laughs> Doesn't, there's the, no correlation there, huh? Right. And when you looked at Marvel's uh, finances before they were acquired by Disney two years ago, um, they did have separate uh, separate accounting lines for that. And publishing had to hold its own. So, I mean, the word is that... These are cuts that are just being made to make the company more profitable. And uh, the word and the inside when they were announced internally was that this was a cost-cutting measure. Uh, Nothing more, nothing less. And uh, sales at Marvel are down a bit this year. They did not hit their target. uh, But it's still very profitable. Um, So uh, kind of some... Well, Shall I'm we say sh- some shocked faces at, well, at Marvel? I'm, sh- I'm sure they must look uh, a little bad just in the face of the both the attention and the uh, recent you know sales um, uh, at at DC Comics uh, because of the new Fifty Two. But with all those firings, it looks more like they're on the run than you know. Oh, we're so brilliant and bringing in money. Mm. It kind of makes them look bad. Well, I'm I'm sorry to say that the uh, word that I've gotten from some. Uh, observers uh, who spoke on condition of anonymity is that the cuts are the work of Marvel CEO uh, Ike Perlmutter, who is a very, very um, budget conscious guy. He will not spend a, do- a penny to make a dime. 
uh, and this has been his modus operandi since he took over the company in the late 90s. So really mm-hmm. no surprise there. But uh, the word is that the, you know he wants to boost the bottom line simply by cutting costs and investing in the business isn't really in the cards right now. So mm-hmm. I think it's kind of a little rough time for Marvel if they're really being pared down to the bone. Yeah. Uh, on this and uh, you know with DC making so many moves I mean now is the time to really revamp retrench you know get 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 in gear and well, uh, with this I think it's kind of taking the wind out of their sails. That, that's for sure I, I was following some of the conversations uh, on the beat uh, in the comments uh, file and, and it, it brought to mind um, you know since I've been writing about comics here you know kind of the the conventional wisdom has been that DC, you know, does really well with its backlist in the book uh, in the book market, and Marvel not so well. Um, uh, that they, at the same time, Marvel seems to have never paid a lot of attention to its backlist, and sort of making sure that it's that it's out there, that it's available, and that fans know about it in the book world. Um, yeah. So they're very different revenue streams um, for DC in the book world and for Marvel. Absolutely, and. Um, just to give an idea, though, of how cheap Ike is, this is a story that's kind of been heard on the uh, bar circuit, shall we say? Mm-hmm. But uh, I did not include this in my story, but so this is only for you podcast readers. <laughs> exclusive. <It's supposedly, laughs> yes, a, a podcast gossip exclusive. But supposedly when you go to visit Marvel's offices uh, in the elevators, you know how elevators have those uh, light-up signs that say what floor it is and who is on the floor? Sure. Uh, well, there's just an empty one where Marvel should be. And when asked why Marvel's logo wasn't on there. Uh, they said it's because it cost $200. And they said, what, $200 a month? And they said, no, $200. So <laughs> they wouldn't even pay for putting the name of the company in the elevator. It's a pretty sad state of affairs for uh, probably one of the foremost comics publishers yes. in the world. And the most successful. Yeah. Like DC has come back with the new 52, but mm-hmm. they have been incredibly successful. Uh, Marvel has been leading the sales charts uh, for years before yes. this. Yes, so. well, they obviously, you know, even though DC does well in the book market, Marvel uh, hammers them in the uh, direct market on a regular basis. Yes. So, anyway, uh, well, we'll be, obviously we'll be monitoring, monitoring the situation at Marvel Comics. Um, uh, shall we jump to New York Comic Con now? Um, yes, uh, Comic Con time. Big, uh, sprawling, um, I mean, New York is really, uh, has really taken a step forward in um, in holding really a world-class convention. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it was like a huge show. Everybody thought it would be huge, and mm-hmm. it was huge. Record um, attendance? Yes, 105,000 people. I'm still snuffling from my con crud, so <laughs> I apologize for that. But, um, yeah, it was, a, it was kind of a – it wasn't as crazy as last year. You know, last year's show, there were times when you would get buttonholed into a corner and not be able to move for 10 minutes. And it was kind of claustrophobia. It really helped yep. that they not only took up the floor all the way to the back instead of just having this random empty space unused, uh, but also they made the aisles like about twice as wide, which really helped. Yeah, I, uh, I mean, I found that the uh, certainly uh, there was just as big a crowd as there were uh, last year. Uh, without the the dangerous uh, gridlocked yeah. um, situation, uh, there's yeah, last year it was crazy. there's probably uh, you know the, uh, the organizers probably need to step up a little bit more their uh, security and uh, and how they um, you know how they monitor the crowds in the hall. But I felt like the the um, all of the aisles kept moving no matter how cr- uh, crowded they were, except if you were up around the video games where it was pretty slow going. Uh, otherwise, there were really vast crowds from one end of the hall to the other. 
Yeah, well, the, the thing that – this is my pet peeve, I'll admit, that I think security could really help with is when a cosplayer and their coterie of photographers stop in the middle of a really busy aisle and block the entire aisle for, like, several minutes at a time. It might be great if someone would just discreetly move them off to the side a little because <laughs> there was this one girl with, like, giant wings, which I swear yeah. she would stop, like, yeah. five times during the con, and then she'd have, like – 20 photographers and i yeah. mean that's awesome it's an awesome costume but it would have been great if she could have gotten out of the way of traffic first yeah. Yeah. Well, i mean i think that. that there is I, I think there is a that is part of the comic-con experience for a lot of uh mm-hmm. attendees now especially first timers it's like they expect to see all the cosplayers all the people walking around they expect to be able to take pictures of them but it does need to be monitored so that uh the safety of the crowd is, uh, is, is paramount. And, um, you know, did anybody go up to the anime, uh, part of the show up in the crystal palace? I, I went up there on Sunday afternoon and it was a really well lit and sunny. Oh, it's great. Part it was of great the, up there. Yeah. It seemed to be really uh, a good vibe up there. I thought, I mean, I think there's been some calls still that they don't like being segregated in their own artist alley, but I, I, I thought it was a good mood. I mean, I, from what I see. that seemed to be one of really one of the liveliest places and as crowded as, as, as it was on some of the aisles up there, there were there were so many places, particularly in the main Crystal Palace area, where you could kind of escape to spectacular views of the Hudson River. Uh, an anime, you know, a big stage set up at one end for you know, I guess it was anime hip hop uh, and other things. Is um, so I, I felt like, and also actually, it was pretty easy to get more or less edible food up there as well. Um, so I thought it was a great space for the. Um, for the, uh, the the young otaku, um, and it seemed like they did a pretty bang up business in fan art too. Yeah, I assume, you know they were battling. They were you know having sword fights up yeah, there. The, yeah. It looked like a, a really lively place. So, yeah. um, I, I mean, I didn't get to go to many panels, but the ones I did were all packed. Um, I, it just seemed like everything was going on on all six cylinders or eight cylinders if you are a real gas guzzler. Okay. So uh, what what panels and or you know new discoveries at the convention did you really find mm-hmm. interesting or notable? Well, you know certainly from 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 my perspective, really um, uh, digital announcements and particularly digital announcements coming out of the uh, manga uh, out of manga publishers uh, for me was probably one of the biggest things that happened at the show. Um, you know, Viz Media had a major announcement about near simultaneous uh, release of a uh, a brand new digital anthology weekly shonen jump alpha really obviously named after the um, the long time very famous print uh, anthology in Japan weekly shonen jump they uh this is this is a big deal uh they're going to be launching with six properties some of the famous the most famous in the manga properties viz handles naruto and um uh, bakuman and uh, inuyasha if i'm not mistaken uh, they were uh, beginning in January. They are going to basically be released uh, the Japanese and English translations at the same time in a digital publication, two weeks apart. So um, um, it, you'll be able to it, uh, something that the fans uh, and and manga professionals in certainly in the U.S. have been calling for for a long time for the Japanese publishers to step up and release. Um, material as close uh, to when it's released in Japan as possible in order to both satisfy the fans and frustrate the the digital pirates. We're finally starting to see a break in the logjam. One of the other big releases at... um 
at New York Comic Con uh, for uh, uh, digital manga releases. Yen Press, uh, not to be outdone, announced real simultaneous releases of a new uh, Soul Eater spinoff. I think it's called Soul Eater Not. This is going to happen right away. Right now, they're releasing at the same time English and Japanese um, uh, translations at the same time. It's available this month in Yen Plus uh, Online, their online magazine. This is truly a, a breakthrough. Uh, and as um, uh, you know, Yen Press uh, publishing director uh, uh, um, Kurt Hassler says, uh, you know, pay attention. Uh, this is a test, and we hope to have more of these um, releases in the future. In addition, very quickly, Kodansha released also uh, its first uh, app, and you can you can basically get I think about four properties um, digitally through through the app. So we're starting to see a breakthrough. Japanese publishers have been criticized for years for dragging their feet on digital release, and we're starting to see some breakthrough in this. And you know, just today, Viz announced that they're going to be launching a digital-only uh, boys' love line. Sublime, yes, that's true. Uh, with a couple yes. of titles. So, um, I mean, so it's we're just starting rolling, finally rolling, to see. Rolling, rolling, rolling. <laughs> yes. Um, and yeah. <laughs> what other announcers we have coming out of, of New York okay. Comic Con? Well, there was a, a, a lot of uh, news uh, from uh, other publishers. I mean, one of the things about Marvel we didn't notice earlier was that actually some of the publishers are are um, getting out of their exclusives and moving over to Image, right, Kate? Oh, yes. Yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Uh, Heidi, you have the Brubaker thing. Um, a number of people who work at Marvel, who shall remain nameless, as I was walking around Artist Alley when I heard them talking to each other, a number of them are indeed uh, easing out of exclusive contracts with Marvel. Some of these are names you would recognize. Uh, Brubaker, Ed Brubaker, um, well-known for his work on uh, Criminal and Incognito and Captain America, is leaving his exclusive contract with Marvel and will be doing some work with Image. Actually, I think that's more of a case with uh, Brubaker and with Sean Phillips. Uh, they're doing a new book for Image. And I think that's more of a case of where they were always allowed to do creator-owned stuff separately because they were doing criminal through the icon. Oh, that's true. Wait, but that, was an, but that was an imprint. They were allowed mm-hmm. to do creative-owned things, but they were still everything was being published by Marvel. Right, right. Well, at any rate, they're not doing all their creator-owned stuff at, at Marvel anymore. They are moving to Image, and the, the word on the street is a lot more people are going to Image uh, as well. Um, I think Andy Diggle actually mentioned on Twitter the other day that his exclusive was up at uh, Marvel. And um, so, yeah, they're, they're, I, th- I think the exclusive era is over, unless you're a very specific kind of a talent who really loves watch, uh, writing the Avengers. Um <laughs> Because uh, it just doesn't really pay off anymore. You know, you used to be you would be guaranteed a certain amount of work, but that just doesn't seem to be uh, the case anymore. So, yeah, that's definitely more news on that. And also at Image, it was announced that Extreme Studios was returning. And this is the imprint. Uh, actually, it was a whole line started by Rob Liefeld back when Image Comics actually began back in 1991. So long ago, hard to believe. And Extreme was the home of characters such as a young blood. And um, let's see, Glory was another great character, <laughs> okay. uh, so to speak. And uh, Shaft, another great character from uh, Extreme. But uh, they are coming back, and some of the material is new. Uh, they have Brandon Graham will be writing the Young Blood uh, ongoing. Mm-hmm. Arena Brandon Graham, very well known for his work for Oni and for Image, actually with King City. Uh, really, one of today's most 
most watched creators. And uh, they're also bringing back some stuff by Alan Moore uh, that has never been printed before. So, because apparently he had written some supreme stories for Extreme back in the day that never saw print, and they have been found, and they're going to be illustrated and published. Sounds great. Sounds good. And and uh, speaking of New York Comic Con, just very quickly, New York Comic Con and superheroes, uh, Marvel seems to be putting a really big push behind the Hulk because at their Marvel TV uh, announcements, they announced that not only were they doing a live action Mar- a live action Marvel Hulk show, uh, which focuses on the Hulk's relationship with Betty, um, and in the Avengers panel, they even showed a clip of the Hulk. So it really seems like someone there is really pushing that. Meanwhile, we'd like to apologize to our listeners for our sound quality. We're currently having technical difficulties. There was a big galactic storm brewing, and we think it might be the Skrulls. <laughs> okay. In other news, because we're not gonna, yes, well, we don't want people to have to listen to our terrible, terrible sound quality at this point. So, so why don't we, guys, why don't we just go to the books that we saw that impressed us, and, and then we'll... Uh, call it a, a day. This has been the Doomed Podcast. Um, fortunately, there were a few more things. I did want to talk about Kids Comics because there were quite a few announcements for Kid Comics, including um, Marvel and DC Kids, which, which are going to do an app with Stan Lee on it. Only Press had Ted Napa's book coming out. First, second had books. Um, comic Book Diner Guys are, are publishing three books together. Uh, John Gallagher, um, uh, what's it, Rich Farber, and um, uh, Jamar Nicholas. But uh, we're moving right along. Um, one of the books I ran across that I just wanted to talk about very quickly is um, it, it's uh, Kill Shakespeare. The second volume is coming out of the collection. This is a, 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 um, a terrific uh, series that um, uses all of the characters in Shakespeare, across Shakespeare's fictional universe in one big swashbuckling tale. They just recently got an invitation to uh, belong with six other – to join six other properties at, um, at Sundance to help them workshop the piece into uh, really sort of a transmedia workshop with a focus on film. So uh, it's a great, rousing adventure. It really does take a look at the nature of Shakespeare's stories and his characters and what they might mean. Calvin, you are the world's Hello? biggest killing Shakespeare <laughs> fan, but it is an excellent book. Well, they did um, a signed letter from Tom Stafford on their table at the time. There you go. So they've, they've got a lot of support. Uh, there's many other things I can talk about, but we're going to move on about Kill Shakespeare, but we'll move yes. on. So a book I saw that uh, actually it was in advance, but uh, Abrams has a book coming out next spring called My Friend Dahmer by the cartoonist Durf, and uh, he's uh, actually he just happened to go to high school with Jeffrey Dahmer, the uh, notorious serial killer. And um, the, the motto of the story is really not that oh he could have been saved, you know that oh, if only this hadn't happened that Dahmer wouldn't have been such a psychopath. But it's also it's more like well, here are the signs. Why did no one figure out that this guy had a screwless and um, I, I was carrying this book around with me and showing it to people, and everyone I showed it to grabbed it out of my hands and started reading it to the point where I had to grab it back and say, you know, I have to go <laughs> on. But, uh, yeah, this uh, I think this is going to be a real uh, fascinating uh, – true crime comics have a, uh, a, a, an allure to them, so I think my friend Dahmer is going to fit right in. Yeah, I saw it. I got, I got a copy and read it, too, and I, I, I think it's mesmerizing and totally engrossing book. Kate, did you see any books? Yes, I did. It's groundbreaking Manga Princess Knight is now coming in a two-volume authoritative translation from Vertical. Volume one is out and was being sold at the con. They sold out twice. Like, one restock completely went within, like, three hours of the con opening on Sunday. And it's a really great translation. It's a really great book. It's sort of the precursor to, you know, Rose of Versailles and Revolutionary Girl Utena and, and really the whole swashbuckling girl genre, uh, shoujo anime and manga. Uh, basically, there's this princess drawn in like the same style as 
as Astro Boy, who is raised as a prince and gets exiled from her kingdom and runs around righting wrongs with a little cherub sidekick. It's quite fun, actually. Well, I guess there's more to come, including yes, uh, yes, audio come. Uh, uh, concurring. Yes, without, without audio problems. One, one last shout-out uh, to our colleagues, uh, Andrew Albanese and Rose Fox, who also um, uh, are working uh, to do and actually do a weekly podcast called uh, that looks at the PW in the week coming. Uh, they're doing this in collaboration with the Copyright Clear Center. It's called Beyond the Book. Uh, they, um, they've uh, been going a few weeks. I think we've, um, we're uh, only a little bit ahead of them. They, they really make it a point to, to include graphic novel and comics coverage uh, in their overall look at the PW's coverage. So we want to give a shout out to them. Our podcasting colleagues. Yes. All right. And we have more to talk about, but the, the sound is dragging us down. So we'll, uh, we're going to cut it off here, I think. All right. Well, more there to is come more to come. Next, all right. Yes. See you next time. More to come. More to come.